Hello, and welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow Podcast, which seeks to offer glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. In this, our second season, we are diving deeper into the concept of vocation. Our theme is Called Forth, Vocation and Faith, and the guiding questions we will consider are, who are we called to become, and what are we called to do? Though I'm confident we will never fully or universally answer these questions, I'm sure that we will glean something valuable from each of our guests. My name's Will Shine, today's host, and today's guest is my pal, AJ Seeley. How are you doing, AJ? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I am hanging in there, keeping cool in the, in the hot Georgia summer heat. You're now not in Georgia. You are in uh, California, right? Yeah, Southern California. Um, actually, Santa Clarita, where it's kind of like desert area. Mm. So it just gets really hot, really hot during the day, like triple digits dry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. We're doing our British, uh, our British listeners uh, a service, I think, because in my experiences in Britain, I think the number one topic of conversation, at least at the beginnings, is always the weather. The and weather. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just anecdotal for them, I guess. Um, so AJ, you and I have known each other uh, for quite a long time now, and it's a very interesting meeting that then has a re-meeting involved in it. Um, that's not necessarily what we're talking about in great detail today, but it is... It is definitely uh, a point of intersection with in terms of what I think you might talk about regarding vocation and things that you've been a part of and what you're called to or not called to, as it were. Yeah. And, uh, and then and, and, and re that resonates a lot with, I think, my, my own story. We met, I believe, in 2008, uh, seven or eight, I believe. Yeah. At it point, was around then. Yeah, at Point Loma Nazarene University, but you were not a Point Loma Nazarene University student, unlike many of our other guests that have been on this show. <laughs> uh, at the time, I believe you were an Eastern Nazarene College student. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we met at like a music night. Tell us more about what you were doing out west at that juncture in your life. Yeah. Um, so I, I was a student at that time at Eastern Nazarene College. Um, I honestly can't remember why we went to Point Loma. <laughs> there was somebody, there was somebody at the college who, um, one of the faculty who, wanted to get a group together, a small group of musicians to go and perform at Point Loma for that music night that you mentioned. It was like a like a poetry slash music kind of like a one of those vibe type of things, and um, we had someone come with us who was like uh he was he was a local artist uh christian artist who would rap and then we were supposed to be the band behind him but you know looking back i don't know if we were fully prepared for that i think it was just you know we're here on the east coast and we're offered a trip to go to point loma <laughs> of course we're gonna go to california because that's super super cool so um so we did that and then at that night where you know we played with the the, the at the event that's where we met yeah. that one time for that one night. And then after that, you know, <laughs> we never saw each other again until <laughs> what, 2013 or no, you were at, when did you get to, um, no, it was 2015. 15, I think when 15, I saw you. 15, 15. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2015. Cause I had moved to LA, then moved back East and then came back to LA in 2015, uh, when we had our daughter and then that's when I met you at Montrose Church. Yeah. And yeah. then you said, yeah, I think you were at Point Loma. I was like, no way. And you recalled exactly when we were there. And it was just like insane that, you know, I, I hadn't been in contact with really anybody from then uh, much at all. And so it was crazy to see you there and, and reconnect. Yeah, I'd heard, I'd heard when I was at Montrose, I'd heard in 2015, oh, there's this guy, he's just, he just rips. He's so good. He plays, you know, bass and play keys, all this stuff. He's such a good bass player, and he plays like a seven, twelve thousand string bass or something like that. Like he's he's so good, and oh, you gotta gotta you gotta meet this guy. And then you came. I think you had just gotten back to town. You came to like a, a some big combined service thing. You came up, mm -hmm. and I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> I, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, because I remember I remembered this kid who came in with this like 
the skinny kid who came up with this bass as big as him, electric bass for yeah. that matter, and then like proceeded to like rip the strings off and blow our minds when you were, <laughs> you know, probably 19 or something like that at, at your guest yeah. trip that you felt unprepared for, but uh, turns out you were really good. You did, you were really good, and you quickly, I think, uh, pursued opportunities elsewhere. Uh, like another past guest of ours, though a different generation at this place, you ended mm-hmm. up at a Berkeley College of Music, did you not? I did. So the I I went to Eastern Nazarene College, uh, and my major I chose to major or double major in um, music, just general music, or I think they had music composition mm. and computer science. And so the kind of logic behind that was I I knew from when I was little, like around eleven that I wanted to write music for film. That's always been my dream. And um, so with my, with my parents being super, super connected in the Nazarene network because, you know, my dad's the Nazarene pastor and they were also alum of Eastern Nazarene College. You know, I, it was very eschewing almost to get to Eastern Nazarene College. I didn't have to do much as far as end of high school activities. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to ENC. So. The, the plan was to major in music composition so I could move toward forward in the film scoring uh, direction. And then as my my parents kind of uh, nudged me to double major in computer science in case music doesn't work out. Because it's a very real thing, especially as a parent. Yeah. And I know now, like, you want to make sure your kid's okay. So music, which is a very kind of volatile thing, um, you want to have a fallback plan. So computer science was the thing. I hate, I hated computer science <laughs> and, um, it just, I, I didn't like doing it. Uh, I liked working with computers. I just didn't like taking these courses mm. and the music composition. Um, I didn't feel like I was getting much. I got, I learned a, a, a little bit from, from the, the courses there, but it wasn't geared toward what I was looking for. Mm. It was more of a general, um, kind of education thing and I didn't think that if I were there for four years that I would have really learned four years worth of music composition mm. skills um, and so I I decided that with that and the whole kind of computer science thing just not being my bag I decided like you know I, I can't be here anymore I need to figure something else out and I had to make the, the decision that I wanted to put all the eggs in one basket and go to Berkeley, which is exclusively a school of music, right. no computer science, like it's just music. But they did offer, you know, film scoring programs. They did offer tons of other stuff. And, um, you know, knowing that I, I just really wanted to do this, Berkeley was kind of the, the next step. And so I went there um, the year after that first year at Eastern Nazarene College. Um, I didn't live on campus i lived off campus so that meant that i was paying rent as if i was just a tenant so if you're doing that and you're not going to school you're spending money in an apartment for no reason so because (laughs) i was paying rent um i was i didn't take any summer vacations at berkeley and i did it all in three years so i did spring fall so fall spring summer fall spring just all through just kept taking courses, no breaks. Dang. And that was, that was uh, an experience. But, you know, I ended up, it ended up being worth it because I was able to kind of, I didn't feel like I was a year behind. Because when something like, in, in, in the case that I, in my, in my uh, situation, it could easily feel like I lost a year sure. by going to that first, first year at UNC. But then I felt like I gained it back by kind of, you know, gauntleting the whole the whole experience is, is a good verb <laughs> yeah. for it yeah yeah, yeah great. <laughs> wow yeah that that's that's kind of set you up uh in a lot of ways i know that network of people and just that you know on your resume sort of berkeley you know with the two e's uh is uh has has some perks you know i've been in in areas i remember going to south by southwest music festival a few years back and berkeley has its own tent at the festival with like you know former alums coming through and featuring their acts and stuff so there's Mm. definitely a tight network globally tons of students don't even finish their degrees at berkeley because they get into great bands or they have they launch their careers because everyone there is a ringer you know what i mean and it's like you've got this incredible rich uh soil i guess you could say out of which to sort of like you know try things and, and do things and every, anybody and everybody I've known who's come through there has got some, you know, incredible 
connections and stories and then and is thriving in some capacity in, in a creative way. And that's that's yeah. a really cool thing. Tell us about uh, kind of moving from Berkeley, your journey. You talked about coming to L.A., going back east, coming back. Uh, tell us about how things have evolved for you and where that intersects with uh, what you had maybe imagined yourself doing when you were younger or what you felt like you were maybe even called to do, if we can use the word call. And maybe and sure. problemize that term if that term does not, if you don't feel like that term applies. Yeah, um, it, it's been like an interesting kind of journey since then. And it all kind of has little building blocks that happened from, from when I was really little. Which is okay. which is interesting to see how everything played out. So, to to finish off Berkeley, you know, I finished, I moved back home uh, with my parents uh, in Shrewsbury, which is you know local to you know, it's about a what forty five minute drive from Boston. Um, I lived there and I worked at Apple because I was working at Apple while I was at Berkeley. Um, I worked there just to you know save up money. I bought an engagement ring for my now wife. Um, using that that money that I was working and also just to save some to because I knew that I had to go to LA like that's just where as if you're a film composer and you know you're trying to get into the, the business you know, all roads pretty much lead to LA okay. so I was saving to to do that um that was always going to be the plan after Berkeley is at some point I was going to go um Kara my wife and I got engaged in 2012 we got married in 2013, September, September 2nd, our dating anniversary, November 2nd, when we got married, 2013. And then the day after, November 3rd, is when we flew out to Los Angeles wow. to start our new, yes. So it was, and the wedding, the wedding was in St. Lucia, okay? That's where my, my dad's family's from. So we, when we left home for this wedding, it wasn't just a leave home for, to get married and then come back. It was leave home to get married and then completely start a fresh clean slate life wow. because we weren't coming back home. Everyone else was, but we were going from uh, Massachusetts to St. Lucia. And then the next day from the wedding, we were in St. Lucia for like a week or so, but from the day after that wedding to, uh, to LA and start new. Um, that is boldly going. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's very scary. I remember the, my feeling like when we landed there, like, you know, everyone wants to go there who's, who's in my position, but it's like, you're finally here and then it's just this huge city with i mean <laughs> lax itself is intimidating when you're just trying <laughs> to get out of there so you know imagine you know just being in this city and kind of navigating your way all that to say um we went there basically with nothing i had no industry connection uh as far as film composing i i didn't we didn't have family i had my cousin who lived out there but he wasn't he's not in the industry he's uh, he does his, he does other stuff but no family, no um, no industry connection, no kind of lead to to hate, no intern thing. I couldn't, interning wasn't really a possibility because I had to make money. And, right. you know, laws and things are changing now, but in 2013, you intern, you're expected to just work, 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 and, you know, get a pat on the back as, yeah, as payment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that wasn't an option. So I was fortunate enough to transfer my Apple job. Um, and, I, and through that, I met a lot of people because I worked in Glen at the Glendale store. I know this, this might seem like it's tangent, but it's, I promise it. It's all, it's all no, kind no, of, I, this is, this is good. Yeah, give us, give us yeah. the map, man. I, we're all about mapping this season. <laughs> <laughs> The, I met so many people working at that Apple store in Glendale. And I don't mean the employees. I'm talking about customers. Sure. I met producers of like the producer of one of the producers of like the Matrix. And he's worked on a million other movies. And he's like, hey, yeah, you're from Boston. Why don't you come over and, and uh, check out this private screening we're having of Black Mass. And then that was our first time um, going into the WB studio lot, like not part of a tour. Wow. Like it felt like as someone who's trying to break into the industry – however they can with no connection setting foot into the into the w warner brothers it's just like is 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 insane so no, it, it was just like really cool thing like that and i met other directors and 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 stuff but um this kind of goes back to how i reconnected with you is moving out to california my wife's college roommate grew up with somebody back home in virginia who married 
the pastor's daughter from Montrose Church. Oh, and wow. so they said, you should go to Montrose Church. And that's how we met them. And that's eventually how we, wow. how we met you because we started uh, going to, to that church. So that's, that's how that connection happened. Wow. Um, and through, so through someone else that I met at Montrose Church, I met another composer who had, has, who's seasoned composer who worked on uh, tons of animated shows. So getting experience from, from working with him, I, I, he invited me to come to a studio and help like design patches and like clean up some audio. I helped with some sessions that he was running at his studio. Um, it's all, you know, when they tell you like, it's all about who, you know, it, right. it, your talent is like, it, it's very, it's so true. I can't speak it enough. It really is who, you know, and it doesn't have to be just obvious, like industry people. It's right. anybody. Anybody might know somebody and then, and then they connect you and it just happens that way. Um, kind of getting, bridging the gap between then and now, you know, my wife and I, we moved back East uh, to have our first child. Um, and then we came back to California in 2015, like when I met you, or re reconnected with you. And I moved to the Santa Monica Apple store out here. In that store, I met my now uh, manager, my film, like uh, my music manager. And from there, we've built a relationship where now I'm writing music and pitching for, you know, large scale, large scale projects for, wow. you know, things like Disney and and Fox and ABC and, wow. and Netflix and things like that. And it's it's all kind of been a grind. It's all been a grind. And that was one of the luckiest things. Again, it wasn't a connection that I just had. I happened to mention that I have a computer at home because I write a ton of music. And she's like, oh, are you a composer? I said, yes. She's like, I rep represent composers. And that was just a happenstance. And that happened <laughs> in the store as like that, that's not something that I could have sought out, you know, sure, it just, sure. it just yeah. happened that way. Yeah. And from there, it, you know, my determination, like I, I really, I, I grind really hard because I know how, how brutal this industry is. Right. Um, to work and, and try and develop my craft and just get my name out there and just write as much as I can so she can pitch to whoever and so that they become more familiar. And um, it, it, some part of it's like a numbers game, part of it is like luck and part of it is again, who you know, there's a lot of components. And then from that point to now is, you know, I blink and then I have the start of my career is kind of how that, that worked out. Yeah, that's so amazing. And like yeah. you said, I mean, I know you to be like just tenacious, you know, you're pulling crazy hours, you're, you're mm -hmm. juggling now uh, 12 <laughs> children or something, no, three, I think, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're married, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of identities that you occupy. Um, there's a lot of uh, spaces that you navigate. Um, and, and it's been so cool to kind of watch, like you said, kind of you know, for, for a while at a temporal distance, I guess, too, if not a literal distance mm -hmm. meeting you so long ago, but then also just kind of, you know, very loosely and now more, you know, intimately tracking where you're at and what you're doing. It's like, dang, man, this guy just keeps making it happen. Uh, and in, in, not in spite of, but like in light of all these other sort of like commitments and things. So AJ, you talked a little bit about there being building blocks and we've kind of, you know, done a little bit out of order, but, uh, Tell us, yeah, a little bit more again about sort of early life. And, and this connects in a lot of ways to what we've talked about in terms of uh, racialized expectations yeah. and uh, and then also sort of your inspirations to getting you to where you are. An, an interesting paradox almost. T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, my I'm first generation. So my parents came to this country from the Caribbean islands in the 80s, and they were very aware of... Um, how sometimes the perception of black people could be perceived or negative perceptions. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. you could get, you know, things that could happen just because if, if you did something that someone saw, thought was wrong or whatever, and in any case, she wanted to make sure that we were protected and that we didn't have any reason to cause any problems with anybody. So she, my, my parents were very kind of uh, in tune with what we were doing, the content we were consuming, like what we watched on TV uh, the music that we listened to was, we didn't listen to like what everyone, all the other kids were listening to, like um, 
like our local hip hop station. Everyone knew all the worst, all those songs. We knew Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, and Hot and Hand Up. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like it's it's yeah. the truth. Yeah. So that's what I grew up listening to, and um, you know, I think I from then I just became as a piano student and as a right. as a musician, it's just like natural. Like these are the this is the music of these people that I'm listening to. So it just that connection grew. And I, I fell in love with classical music. And it was my dad who got a CD, because we're living in Massachusetts, of our local orchestra, which was the Boston Pops. And so not too shabby of one. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the, at one point, I don't know if it was while I, while I was little, but um, at one point, John Williams, the, the film composer, was the laureate conductor of the Boston Pops. So there was a CD called Pops in Space where he conducted the uh, orchestra performing a lot of the themes from movies that he did that were based in space. So you had Superman, mm -hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Wars. And I remember distinctly, it was Star Wars uh, episode five. Uh, I think that's the Empire Strikes Back. And the mm -hmm. cue was called the Asteroid Field. And it was the music when they're flying through the Asteroid Field before they get eaten by that monster in the planet. That music was what really got me into like i want to write music for film um it was yeah that scene yeah. that specific song it was so exciting and i was like i want to do this i listened to classical music and you hear things and it's fast and it's slow and it's loud and it's soft but it wasn't exciting like film music right so oh, wow. this john williams uh, music is really kind of what did it for me and i was like i think wow. seven or something like that and really set you on that path yeah. to 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 where you kind of are now right yeah exactly and i mean but all the things that 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 it sounds like all the things that pre preceded that you know what i mean or precipitated that if that's the right word uh partly your parents guidance um set you up to to sort of break down some of those stereotypes into the future uh, even even if at the expense of you know being sort of maybe really tight knit. And no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, now that you say that, I recall in high school, I was listening to some classic music while waiting for a bus. And then this guy who was, he wasn't a bully, but he was like, he was just bigger than everyone else. So by default, he was kind of like, kind of move away from him. If he, he gets close to you. And um, I had my CD player because that's what we used back then was CD players with right. skip protection. And uh, he said, hey right, <laughs> the bass boost. And yeah. He said, what are you oh, listening yeah. to? And, I, was, uh, and uh, I told him what I was listening to. It was like some classical music. I don't remember what it was at the time. And he's like, oh, no, you're supposed to be listening to like 50 Cent and, you know, whoever else was, was hot at the time. But it was like that you are supposed to be listening to, you know? Mm. And that was kind of like, again, he didn't, they don't know any better. I, I'm not justifying it, but I'm just saying like, that's, the perception and that's kind of what they what yeah. people would box me into and um no i was listening to classical music i enjoyed listening to classical music um as a result of my upbringing and kind of what i had always listened right. to as a kid that's uh yeah that's a that's a really good pivot point tell us a little bit more about your experience you kind of alluded to that earlier uh what is it like um to negotiate some of the maybe the the preconditions, I'll say, not just of the industry, but of as of coming from a, a faith community as well, the preconditions mm -hmm. assigned to you or that you feel have been assigned to you as a person of color. Um, and as you navigate that uh, moving forward, um, what are some of those things that, that you've maybe had to like negotiate or do away with yeah. or, or, or move toward? Um, it. A lot of it's kind of like uh, underlying, but I can tell you it's like experiences like when I was working at Apple and of, of course I would talk to customers and I would always tell them what I did. They're, they are curious on what you do because Apple is like this company and it's like this very, it's a huge company and they want to know who is, who is the man behind the curtain. So they'll always ask you as an employee, like, what do you do outside of it when you're not here? Mm -hmm. So I always tell them I'm a composer and I would say I'm a musician, I'm a producer, and I'm a composer. And then the first thing, like 90% of the time after I said that, is they would be like, oh, you make beats. And yeah. like, all right, <laughs> cool. Um, I I have gone to one of the, and I don't, not to toot like horns or anything, but I've gone to one of the most prestigious music schools in the world. 
Right. I, I, I have studied classical music since I was, I don't know how old, uh, only listened to classical music when I was little, blah, 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 all this stuff to be kind of just lumped into this category of, mm. you know, I sit on a computer and make beats. Can I do that? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I, am I comfortable doing it? Yes. But that is not my identity. And, and that's not how I want it to be kind of, it felt like a reduction. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was something that I had some at first difficulty navigating because I mm. felt like because it happened so much that this is how everyone would perceive me as if I was a musician that I was just mm. uh, making beats. And a lot of times it was discouraging because, you know, I'm not just a beat maker. I, I literally will write for an orchestra. Right. And that's a lot easier for me to do than make a beat, to be honest. Sure. I could do that, you know, whatever. Um, so that was, that was something that I kind of had to, had to deal with. And I, I couldn't really get upset. People don't, it was an innocent ignorance. You know, there's an ignorance because there's people who don't care and don't want to, mm-hmm. but there's also an ignorance of literally like, that's just all they know and they don't know any better. Hmm. And I kind of chalked it up to it was an innocent ignorance. And there were people who understood that when I said I'm a musician, I'm a producer, I'm a composer, that they knew what I was talking about. Hmm. And getting to kind of talk to those folks, it, it, re, it gave me a little bit of hope, understanding like, you know, not everyone is, is going to be kind of putting me in this box. Sure. All that, all that aside, that was like one of the, the earlier things. But in a bigger in a bigger picture um if you look at the most prolific and famous film composers of today and even like past generations it's all old white dudes yeah which that's just that's just how the industry was you know or and that's true of a lot of directions yeah yeah and they're all extremely good there's no knocking their talent like they're you know you read the stories of how they get to where they are um and they 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 earn their way but there's two things happening here the industry is changing and our socioeconomics are changing Mm -hmm. at the same time so we have or in the when i say the industry changing it's way more saturated than it was you know what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah. however many years ago. Absolutely. It's a lot easier. Like you could have a 14 year old kid, give him a laptop, a few libraries, and he could become the next triple A composer. You never know. And it's just that easy. He didn't go to college, nothing. Whereas back then you had to work your way up, find your local TV station, write for them, then go to the studio and you're doing everything on paper. It's, it's, a, it's just a very different in- industry. It's easier to access. And so there's a lot more people trying to get into it, but also the socioeconomics are changing where we have a lot of these groups that are advocating for underrepresented, under, underrepresented composers. And that include, uh, includes women, people of color, uh, people from different countries that are not quote unquote uh, media hubs right. because LA was like the cat Hollywood was the capital of the film, but now you can do it anywhere. Right. So, the it's the opportunities um are not they're they're starting to become they have programs that are starting to be uh created by these different studios like universal has uh like a diversity push every year mm-hmm. where they kind of get somebody fast-tracked into some of their pro their programs i know uh disney has something similar um so they these things these things are coming up but it's not this is this is where I kind of struggle because on one hand, this is amazing because people are paying attention to um, these people of color and these underrepresented groups. But on the other hand, I don't know if I want to get in through those. Mm. I want to feel like I've made my way the same as everybody else because of my skill and my merit and you know right. whatever, and not that I got fast tracked. So it's it's really it's really hard to kind of it's an equity question more than like yeah. a, 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 an equality thing maybe and that might be a right. false 
comparison that I've come up with. I, like, yeah, but I but I get what you it, yeah you we're thinking the the same thing. Um, so it's it's tricky. And right now, in my own personal career, I feel like it's happening in the sense I haven't gotten any jobs that I know of because of the color of my skin or through any. I haven't done any work through any of those programs, so it's all been kind of like an organic, natural thing. Um, sure. But there, there are little, little instances and little times where I mean, it's natural to feel like you've been overlooked um, mm. because it's not going back to what I was first talking about how people kind of reduce or tend to reduce what they what they see me as, and it's like, oh, he's going to make beats. If I wanted to go out and find a gig or go out for a gig where they wanted like an exclusively hip hop track, I'm sure that I would stick out and probably make it past a few rounds just if I submitted like a picture with my with my demo reel, you know? Right. So um, it, it's very interesting that that, that that's mm. that's how it happens. But there are these oh, racialized conceptions of, of yeah. music, let alone, and then and then the expect again, as we were kind of talking about those yeah. expectations that come with that. That can so much inform. Uh, that can creep into your sense of like uh, identity or self or like trajectory. Uh, and and it sounds like you're you've you've been pretty sensitive to transcending that or like trying to yeah. transcend that. There's yeah, it's that and so many other things I'm that I'm working on trying to change. But it's the the remedy is to um in the work that I do that I am doing to do the absolute best um, and shatter any preconceived notions or or change expectations because I I want to make the point for me and for anyone else to you, you have to give a chance like you have to it's not fair to or i don't think it's fair to kind of assume that one person and and this goes both ways like if someone looked at like uh i don't know an asian woman could make that the hottest beats like ever like you can't just box someone in to sure what you expect based on stereotypes. Like you have to give them a chance um, to prove what they can do. Right. So I right. think that's kind of what, I, that what I'm what i aiming to do for myself and for others to, to make sure that it's not like a, you know, don't just assume that this person does this and this person does this, you know, right. make it a flat kind of playing space. That's a, that's a transformative uh, social calling thing too you know helping a society sort of there's a call you're articulating almost a call to social uh, transformation and renewal of imagination and mind but also calling upon that same society to do the same right it's uh, yeah. it, the society also needs to do it and it, and the burden cannot be yours alone obviously right uh, it, it shouldn't be you know to begin with and so yeah, that's a uh, that, that that that's very uh, th that provides a lot of food for I hope all of our listeners thought you know what I mean and mm -hmm. and then hopefully inspires some degree of um, uh, action and, and agency. I think there are all there are ways and if it doesn't matter if you're in the film scoring industry, there are ways in which all of us participate in sort of systems and things all the time where we're invited to participate in that kind of transformation and that renewal of mind and imagination. I mean, uh, speaking of renewal, I mean, I think someone quoted Romans 12 the other day and on this very podcast that is all about, you know, the renewal of mind and, and new ways of thinking. And so we need that. We need new ways of thinking so that we can inhabit new ways of being and doing, uh, that are equitable, like yeah. we're talking about. And, uh, where, yeah, again, we don't socially or individually construct someone's calling for them or their path for, you know, or their sense of vocation, how, how stifling that must feel and be um, and, and discouraging. So I'm sorry that that's happened for you and to you. And yet at the same time, I'm glad you're uh, yeah. kind of pushing back. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of like one of the goals and I discussed this like with my wife repeatedly, even from the beginning, like one of the things that I want to do is make sure that 
the next person be it behind me has a little bit of an easier time. Mm-hmm. Like if even if it's even if it's something as simple as like when they first move to LA, like pick them up at LAX. Like I said, that place is scary. If you're coming to LA for the first time and you don't know anybody and you got to figure <laughs> out where you go, that have like I would have loved to have I mean, my cousin got us from our hotel, which again, thankfully my my cousin lived here, but we had nobody. So right. if it's something that I can do to help the whole thing be a little bit easier, if it's picking up from the airport when you first move, if it's introducing you to people that I've worked with in the past, if it's recommending you for things, if it's like, hey, this person's really good at this, if it's mentoring, like that's that's another that's that's a lot more for me to put on my plate and i couldn't do all of it right now because again i'm still working on balancing everything but the goal is to be able to do stuff like that the goal is to be able to like when i'm at this place in my career where i i feel comfortable and i can you know everything is fine i'm just working steadily i want to be able to do that for for other people for people who are underrepresented or people who are um who are just aren't sure, like they have no connection. It's it's very it's a it's a difficult, I wanna say toxic and brutal and saturated industry. Yeah. Almost everything is working against you. It's not impossible, <laughs> but you know, it, it really is like that. And it can be very, very discouraging mm. very often. So I, I wanna make sure that, you know, people don't give up because of those those things that might get in their way. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, when you land in LAX, AJ will be there to pick you up from the from the post-apocalyptic wasteland that is that airport. No, no offense oh. to any LAX fans out there. I don't know that anybody's an LAX fan, honestly. Oh. You land there and you go like, "Wait, I'm not even in Los Angeles." Right? Yeah. <laughs> it, and it doesn't it doesn't look great either once you leave. The area surrounding LAX is kind of like, <laughs> "Where did I it's get like to?" Burnt out warehouses. Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. Know? It's all uh, jet strip. fuel everywhere, and yeah. you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely yeah. It's L- yeah. LA is a curious place that mm. I have lots of metaphors for that probably are not <laughs> suited for this time or space. Uh, we've talked to people this season about how they how they manage those those different commitments and pursuits and passions and things like that. You obviously love your wife and your children. You love what you do. That's so evident in how you talk about it and how you talk about coming to it. You've been in the right place at the right time, I think, sometimes. But more more than that, it seems that you've walked through doors that have opened, you know, and and yeah. been willing to do that. How have you? How have you found balance or like some degree of stability? I mean, you're you're not uh, totally crazy from what I can tell, and uh, you seem physically well. <laughs> but uh, how have you managed to sustain yourself uh, through all of this? Um. Well, it's it's. I'll say this: it's a lot. I, I'm 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 flattered that you, you you mentioned that I look physically well. You know, I seem it's very very difficult. Um, if my wife were standing next to me, she would be nudging me and rolling her eye because she knows <laughs> that I'm terrible at uh, at balancing everything. And I've been I've been better about it recently, but it's just taken it's taken so many years. Hmm to to get to this point and i'm only starting to figure it out Hmm. and you know there's to if anyone who's listening to this has any like especially young composers who might who could be listening to this there are so many different ways and it's like i said this applies to to everything there's so many different ways to to get to your goal Mm -hmm. um and there's always going to be like one or two ways that seem like the way that most people do but there's so many different different ways to get there. So for me, uh, my path required and demanded that I, I figure out how to balance everything because the standard, I'm, I know this is in the video, but I'm using this in quotations, the standard um, path as a film composer is you, you leave college or while you're in college, you intern because you're just in college and then you go assist another composer after you're done with, with college and then you build your credits and you start working on different projects. And then before you know it, you're just like, you know, another composer with doing your own shows and, and whatnot. That did not, that's not how I did it. So as I mentioned, you know, I got married before going to LA. 
uh, we had our first child while I was there and we moved back away from LA, which was a very difficult decision for me. We, it was, it was a rough kind of patch because I felt like I was leaving my career that I wanted mm. so badly by moving away from LA, but it, ultimately it was the, it was the right decision. Um, you know, because we wanted to be with family with our first child and we came back and, you know, fast forward to now we have three children. Um, they are the priority, but I also still have to be, aside from a composer, I need to be dad and I need to be a husband. And those things ultimately are above being a composer. Um, while yes, being a composer is how, or a musician in general is how I, I work and earn a living. Um, what's the point if you know i'm not balancing that time so that i have time to spend with my wife and have time to spend with my kids right. um because ultimately like it's it's kind of pointless you know if if i'm just working 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 and and that's it <laughs> so uh my wife has been instrumental in ensuring that i <laughs> eat and sleep which which, which is it's funny because these are like we know as like basic things it's like the sure. first thing you know how to do as a human is sleep and eat <laughs> and i'm 33 and i'm like hmm, how do i do this <laughs> you know so it's it's uh she's been super helpful in making sure that i i take time and take breaks um i am a workaholic hmm. And I, 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 a lot of times overdo it because um, of a desire to appease my client or client kind of relationships, making mm. sure those stay intact as a, you know, self, my own kind of business type of thing. Sure. Um, and, and we can touch on this, this part another time, but like opportunities for me, for people like me, listeners, I am a person of color. Um, opportunities for people like me in this industry are not as frequent hmm. um, as some of my other counterparts. So when I have opportunities, I am, it's a very strike while the iron's hot, very grind. Otherwise, hmm. you know, you'll lose your, you lose your gig. Hmm. And so those kind of mentalities, like just making sure I can provide, but also making sure that I can grow, um, it becomes for me, difficult to balance everything. My wife, uh, who is not a person of color, but who recognizes you know, everything that's going on, um, is in instrumental in making sure that I, that I eat, I sleep, I'm taking care of everything, I'm spending time with, with the kids, I'm resting, um, all those kinds of things. So on my own, I couldn't, mm -hmm. definitely not. But um, it's, it's, I'm starting to learn, I'm starting to know, recognize when I'm tired and hmm. it's time to stop. Sure. I don't work as quickly when I'm tired. Sometimes I would just say, I got to get it done and I'll just do it. No, just rest. Right. Because the amount of time you spend staying up working, um, you do like a little bit of work versus you re take the time to rest. You could get it done a lot faster when you rested. So hmm. it seems basic and like obvious, but it's not that obvious when, you know, when you're me, I guess. Something or I'm hearing, like yeah, yeah. Something I'm hearing in in your response is that I'm I'm getting a picture of sort of like it really requires a holistic approach and 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 a holistic perception that it sounds like you've been growing into. You you've you've kind of realized that um, even in your own life and your sort of own journey and trajectory, it's really not been. You can't do it alone. It, 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 there's there's some sort of like team component or dynamic. And I'm sure that has roots even predating your children and wife and stuff like that with parents, friends, family and stuff. But that growing awareness kind of touches on something that we've been teasing out a little bit this season with calling in that some of some of being called or some of having a, a vocation is living into a certain kind of disposition uh, more than a certain like position, if that makes sense, like a, a job mm. or a. Uh, an actual activity, but it's, it's becoming a certain kind of person. Um, yeah, I, just what you said right there just is so, uh, profound in that way to me. Uh, and I, I, I'm hoping listeners kind of picked up on that as well, that you definitely sound like you've been cultivating a, a, a disposition, a, a way of being, and it sounds like a very sort of, uh, generative and yet, um, receptive, I guess would be the word 
Like, because again, you're, I, I, I can speak authoritatively to this. You kick butt at the things that you do. Like, you're really, really good. <laughs> like, it, like if, it's, if it's making, composing stuff, if it's playing instruments and things, it's mind boggling how good you are at stuff. And yet, like, the trap there is you, you could have a huge degree of like hubris and arrogance about that and just mow through life uh, solo, I guess, or c- kind of solo. Uh, but you clearly have not done that. You've you've clearly surrounded yourself with uh, uh, people in life and accepted that input from them, so that you can sustain some like kind of right at the edge, the precipice. It seems of like excellence for you or whatever that is. Uh, you know, doing the things that you want to do, whatever they are. It could be like you could become a baker tomorrow, and you'd probably make the best cupcakes or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, you know what's funny about that was. Um a big kind of wake up call for that was watching the Quincy Jones documentary mm, mm. on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it's still there, but it was, he's an example of someone who is extremely talented and uh, long story short, kind of music was his life. And he breathed, ate, drank everything. It was music. Um, and he sold at it. I mean, most of the music we listen to today has some influence from something yeah. that Quincy Jones has done right. written or touched. And at the very end, I think uh, Rashida Jones asked him if there's anything that he regret, regrets um, in his life. And I think it was he was mentioning his relationships with his wife and like his family because mm. it's not in the best of shape um, as of right now. Yeah, he has all these Grammys and, you know, he's celebrated generationally yeah. uh, for his music. But like the things that's important, like, you know, it's that's what he feels is lacking. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm. I don't know if I want to be like that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to end up with that regret. Sure. Um, Collateral damage almost. Yes. Yeah. It hurts more than just, uh, than just, they would just hurt more than just me. So I wouldn't, I don't want that to, to be my, my story. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, cool. And that was, that was years ago when that came out. And again, I'm still learning how to, how to balance everything and still learning how to be what I want to be. Um, who I want to be mm. in this industry and as a person, um, because it's more—it's more than just what I do, and that's another thing that I'm learning. Is it's more than the music that I write. It's more than the um, the things that you hear and the work that I put out. It's the person that I am. People want to work with people that they like. Mm. Um, there's a reason why you watch a movie with. Adam Sandler and you always see like Rob Schneider and uh, what's his name David Spade and all yeah. they're, they're friends and like why would you not want to work with your friends right um people want to work with folks that they like and they they feel work they work well with and I've found success in being a good person mm. so and that's not anything that they teach you at Berkeley that's nothing that they teach you right at any school or anything I've, but I've truly found success in being a good person. And I've gotten the feedback, verbal feedback from people that I work with that they're saying, AJ, we love working with you. You have just a great demeanor. You're not, and we, we, we've worked with other people and blah, blah, blah. They'll say these things that they've experienced in the past and it's a direct return on investment and it costs nothing to be a good person. And I feel like I'm, I'm like selling something, but I'm not, it's true that like, yeah. That is an important skill that I have found that is not explicitly taught, but I feel like kind of getting to what you're saying, it is sort of a calling. Like, why would you not be a, a good person? Right, right. You know? <laughs> but AJ, I, I appreciate so much you taking time to to chat with us. Of course. Uh, and uh, share a little bit about your journey, your story, uh, senses of, of calling and, and how you negotiate vocation and doing what it is that you're passionate about doing, but also balancing um, all the things that are a part of your life and identity. Um, yeah, I feel like we've we've gleaned a lot, as I hoped we would at the beginning of the episode, saying as much. Um, anything else that we should know about that you're into or doing or got coming up around the corner that we should be on the lookout for with AJ Seeley's, uh, you know, moniker attached? Um, nothing that I can really talk about uh yet right right 
got those yeah. NDAs in your yeah. industry. That's everything, right. yeah, everything is NDA. Um, we got. I am working on a TV show now. I, I can't say where it will be coming out on because NDA. Fair. So NDA is non disclosure agreement. By the way, yes. Th- this podcast I don't think has them, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but you are on something that does, so that's fine. We will. Right. We, won't, we won't. We won't press there, but. Any other ways we can support or look out for music you've been a part of? Um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe if if I put my Instagram, even though I haven't been active in a couple of weeks, I put everything that I can put that I'm working on on there. Right. Cool. So if you go, if you look at at aj underscore Seely s e a l y. You'll find everything, all my memes and everything that you'll see my family and, and music there and, and fun stuff. Fun. Well, we'll be sure to link that. I think you have a, an active website too, if I'm not mistaken. It might not be active. I don't, I never updated it. And so I just let it just go. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I've, I've actually recently done the same thing. And so yeah. uh, it is, it is out there. I don't think that it's, I don't know what, how visible it is to the public. All to say, uh, yeah. yeah, we can put your Instagram. I know you do have some stuff out on like Spotify and Apple Music, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that you've produced or been a part of. I know you've been on some like cool TV shows in the past and like yes. uh, been in, been in some neat bands around LA. If you're in LA, you might see AJ Seeley roll up with the 20 string bass and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and rip something nasty for you. Um, uh, but uh, AJ, thanks so much again for spending time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And with that, Foreshadow is an online spiritual literary magazine rooted in the Christian faith. Our website is foreshadowmagazine.com, and we are on various social media platforms. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to now, and be sure to share it through your own social channels. That's the forecast for today. 